chapters three and four of the last three soldiers by william henry shelton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three the mountain of the twentieth red pin a fortnight before the events described in the opening chapter of this story the topographical officer attached to general sherman's headquarters might have been seen leaning over a table in his tent busily engaged in sticking red-headed pins into a great map of the cumberland and blue ridge mountains the pins made an irregular line beginning at chattanooga and extending through tennessee and north carolina at no great distance from the georgia border altogether there were just twenty of these pins and each pin pierced the top of a mountain whose position and altitude were laid down on the map after this officer who was a lieutenant-colonel had spent half the night by the light of guttering candles in arranging and rearranging his pins he sent in the morning for the adjutant of a regiment of loyal mountaineers beginning with the first pen outside of chattanooga he requested the presence of a mountaineer who lived in the neighborhood of that particular peak when the man reported the colonel questioned him about the accessibility of the mountain under the first pen its distance from that under the second pen and whether each peak was plainly visible from the other the colonel's questions which were put to the soldier in the shade of the fly outside the tent where the map lay brought out much useful information and much more that was of no use whatever because half the questions were intended to mislead the soldier and conceal the colonel's purpose sometimes he changed a pin after the soldier went away and at the end of three days of interviewing and shifting the positions of his pens the twentieth redhead was firmly fixed above the point laid down on the map as whiteside mountain still a little farther along a blue-headed pin was set up and then the work of the topographical officer of the rank of lieutenant-colonel was done these pens represented a chain of signal stations nineteen of which the captain of cavalry with andy zachary to guide him had now established one after the other with as much secrecy as the lieutenant-colonel had employed in selecting the positions and now the gray dawn was coming on the side of the twentieth mountain as andy finished his story in fact as the last word fell from his lips a lusty cock tied on one of the pack saddles set up a shrill crow to welcome the coming day although tall pines grew thick about the bridgehead where the troopers were still sleeping it was light enough to see that only low bushes and gnarled chestnuts grew on the other bank the noisy branch kept up its ceaseless churning and splashing among the rocks far down in the throat of the black gorge and the great height and surprising length of its single span made the crazy old bridge look more treacherous than ever it swayed and trembled with the weight of the captain by the time he had advanced three steps from the bank so that he came back shaking his head in alarm by this time the men were afoot and andy asked for an axe which at the first stroke he buried to its head in the rotten string-piece just what i feared said the captain do you think i'm going to trust my men on that rotten structure andy said nothing in reply as he kicked off with his boot a huge growth of toadstools together with the bark and six inches of rotten wood from the opposite side of the log then he struck it again with the head of the axe such a blow that the old sticks of the railing and great sections of bark fell in a shower upon the treetops below 
the guide saw only consternation in the faces of the men as he looked around but there was a smile on his own it may be old said andy throwing down the axe but there is six inches of tough heart into that log and i'd trust it with a yoke of cattle with that he strode across to the other side and coming back jounced his whole weight on the centre with only the effect of rattling another shower of bark and dry fungi into the gorge bring me one of the pack mules cried andy and presently when the poor brute arrived at the head of the old causeway it settled back on its stubborn legs and refused to advance at this the guide tied a grain sack over the animal's eyes and led him safely across lieutenant coleman led over the second mule by the same device and bromley the third by this time it was broad daylight and the captain detailed three men to help in the unpacking these he sent over one at a time so that after himself philip was the last to cross beyond was an open field where blue and yellow flowers grew in the long wiry grass which was wet with the dew this grass grew up through a thick mat of dead stalks which was the withered growth of many years under the trees and bushes the leaves had rotted in the rain where they had fallen or in the hollows where they had been tossed by the wandering winds there was not a sign of a trail nor a girdled tree nor a trace of fire nor any evidence that the foot of man had ever trodden here the little party seemed to have come into an unknown country and after crossing the open field they continued climbing up a gentle ascent winding around the rocks and scraggly old chestnut trees until they arrived under the ledge which supported the upper plateau this was found to extend from the boulder face on the cove side across to a mass of shelving rocks on the cashier's valley front and was from thirty to fifty feet in height of a perpendicular and bulging fold in the smooth granite after a short exploration a place was found where the ledge was broken by a shelf or platform twenty feet from the ground and just here in the leaves and grass below lay the rotted fragments of a ladder which had doubtless been used by the old man of the mountain himself chapter four a day of discoveries meanwhile andy with the help of the detail was cutting and notching the timber for ladders the captain and the three young soldiers of the station made a breakfast standing from their haversacks and canteens and looked about them over the wild country at their feet and off at the blue peaks which rose above and around the valley of cashiers and then at the ridges in the opposite direction drawn like huge furrows across the western horizon showing fainter and fainter in colour until the blue of the land was lost in the blue of the sky the men worked with a will so that by ten o'clock the main ladder which was just a chestnut stick deeply notched on the outer side was firmly set in the ground against the face of the cliff the landing shelf was found to extend into a natural crevice so that the short upper ladder was set to face the bridge and so as to be entirely concealed from the view of any one approaching from below when everything was in readiness lieutenant coleman was the first to ascend with a powerful telescope of the station strapped on his shoulders and the others quickly followed except the three troopers who remained behind to unpack the mules and bring up the rations and outfit for the camp 
at the point where they landed there was little to be seen of the top of the mountain beyond a few stunted chestnuts which clung to the rocks and were dwarfed and twisted by the wind and nearly as many dead blue limbs lay about in the thin grass as there were live green ones forked against the sky there was the suggestion of a path bearing away to the left and following this they came to a series of steps in the rocks partly natural and partly artificial which brought them on to a higher level where an extended plateau was spread out before them on the western border they saw the line of trees overhanging the cove side the same that had looked like berry bushes the night before from the cabin where they had halted for the moon to go down from this point the crest of the upper bald was in plain view across the cove but anxious as they were to open communication with the other mountain the flags had not yet come up and there was nothing left for them to do but continue their exploration it was observed however that the trees overhanging the cove would conceal the flagging operations from any one who might live on the slopes of the mountains in that direction and moreover that by going a short distance along the ridge to the right a fine backing of dark trees would be behind the signalmen philip would have scampered off to explore and discover things for himself but the captain restrained him and directed that the party should keep together andy carried his long rifle and philip and bromley had brought up their carbines so that they were prepared for any game they might meet even though it were to dispute progress with a bear or panther since they had come up the ladders the region was all quite new to andy and he no longer pretended to guide them back from the last ridge the ground sloped to a lower level much of which was bare of trees and so protected from the wind that a rich soil had been made by the accumulation and decay of the leaves at other points there were waving grass and clumps of trees which latter shut off the view as they advanced and opened up new vistas as they passed beyond them it could be seen in the distance however that the southern end of the plateau was closed in by a ledge parallel to and not unlike that which they had already scaled except that it was much more formidable in height there was a stream of clear cold water that was found to come from a great bubbling spring it broke out of the base of this southern ledge and after flowing for some distance diagonally across the plateau tumbled over the rocks on the cashier's valley side and disappeared among the trees after inspecting this new ledge which was clearly an impassable structure in that direction and as effectually guarded the plateau on that side as the precipices which formed its other boundaries the captain and his party turned back along the stream of water for a plentiful supply of water was more to be prized than anything they could possibly discover on the mountain there is one thing said andy as they walked along the left bank of the stream that you all can depend on risin in the spring as it does that branch will flow on just the same summer or winter probably said lieutenant coleman but then you know we are not concerned about next winter a little farther on a rose-bush overhung the bank and at the next turn they found a grapevine trailing its green fruit across a rude trellis which was clearly artificial a few steps more and they came to a foot-log flattened on the top and although it tottered under them they crossed to the other side 
and coming around a clump of chinkapin bushes they found themselves at the door of a poor hut of logs whose broken roof was open to the rain and sun the neglected fireplace was choked with leaves and weeds and bushes grew out of the cracks in the rotting floor and surely enough in one dry corner stood the very brown keg that josiah woodring had brought up the mountain in the midst of the dilapidation and the rotting wood around it it was rather surprising that the cask should be as sound as if it were new and the conclusion was that it had been preserved by what it originally contained just then there was a cry from philip who had gone to the rear of the hovel and he was found by the others leaning over the grave of the old man of the mountain and staring at the thick oak headboard which bore on the side next to the cabin these words one who wishes to be forgotten the letters were incised deep in the hard wood and seemed to have been cut with a pocket-knife it was evident from the amount of patient labor expended on the letters that the work had been done by the unhappy old man himself perhaps years before he died of course it had been set up by josiah who must have laid him in his last resting-place that looks like josiah was no liar any more than he was a murderer and robber said andy and if the little man could live up here twenty-five years i reckon you young fellers can get along two months a spot for camp was selected a few rods up the stream from the poor old cabin and grave this was at a considerable distance from the ridge where the station was to be but it had two advantages to balance that one inconvenience in the first place it was near the water and then no smoke from the cook fire would ever be seen in the valley below accordingly the stores were ordered to be brought to this point and corporal bromley hurried away to the head of the ladders to detain such articles as would be needed at the station on the ridge below the ledge the mules could be seen quietly browsing the grass and to the annoyance of lieutenant coleman a blue haze was softly enveloping the distant mountains as in a day in indian summer so that it was no longer possible to think of communicating with the next station which was ten miles away that being the case the afternoon was spent in pitching the tents and making the general arrangements of the camp owing to the difficulty of transportation but the barest necessaries of camp life were provided by the government and notwithstanding his rank lieutenant coleman had only an a tent and bromley and philip two pieces of shelter tent and two rubber ponchos it was quickly decided by the two soldiers to use their pieces of tent to mend the roof of the hut of the old man of the mountain and to store the rations as well as to make their own quarters therein from the commissary department their supplies for sixty days consisted precisely of four fifty-pound boxes of hard bread sixty-seven pounds eight ounces bacon one hundred three pounds of salt beef twenty-seven pounds white beans twenty-seven pounds dry peas eighteen pounds rice twelve pounds roasted and ground coffee eight ounces tea twenty-seven pounds light brown sugar seven quarts vinegar twenty-one pounds four ounces adamantine candles seven pounds four ounces bar soap six pounds twelve ounces table salt and eight ounces pepper the medical chest consisted of one the medical chest consisted of one quart of commissary whiskey and four ounces of quinine 
besides the flags and telescope for use on the mountain their only tools were an axe and a hatchet on ordinary stations it was the rule to furnish lumber for building platforms or towers but here they were provided with only a coil of wire and ten pounds of nails and if platforms were necessary to get above the surrounding trees they must rely upon such timber as they could get and upon the axe to cut away obstructions fortunately for this particular station they could occupy a commanding ridge and send their messages from the ground philip had by some means secured a garrison flag which was no part of the regular equipment and through andy they had come into possession of a dozen live chickens and a bag of corn to feed them on the afternoon before the departure of the troopers the captain who had now established the last of the line of stations confided to lieutenant coleman his final directions and cautions he asked andy to point out chestnut knob which was the mountain of the blue pin and whose bald top was in full view to the right of rock mountain and not more than eight miles away in a southeasterly direction and as andy said just on the border of the low country in south carolina this was the mountain the captain informed lieutenant coleman from which in due time if everything went well in regard to a certain military movement he would receive important messages to flag back along the line what this movement was to be was still an official secret at headquarters and lieutenant coleman would be informed by flag of the time when he would be required to be on the lookout for a communication from the mountain of the blue pen at the close of his directions the captain standing very stiff on his heels and holding his cap in his hand made a little speech to lieutenant coleman in which he complimented him for his loyalty and patriotic devotion to the flag and reminded him that in assigning him to the last station the commanding general had thereby shown that he reposed especial confidence in the courage honor and integrity of lieutenant frederick henry coleman of the twelfth cavalry and in the intelligence and obedience of the young men who were associated with him this speech delivered just as the shadows were deepening on the lonely mountain-top touched the hearts of the three boys who were so soon to be left alone and was not a whit the less impressive because andy plucked off his coonskin cap and cried in his homely enthusiasm that them was his sentiments to the letter it was understood that there should be no signalling by night and no lights had been provided for that purpose so that there being nothing to detain them on the plateau they decided to accompany the captain and andy back to the bridge and see the last of the escort as it went down the mountain two of the troopers contrary to orders had during the day been as far as the deserted cabin of josiah woodring and one of these beckoned philip aside and told him where he would find a sack of potatoes some one had hidden away on the other side of the gorge which with much disgust he described as the only booty they had found worth bringing away so great is the love of adventure among the young that there was not one of the troopers but envied his three comrades who were to be left behind on the mountain but it was a friendly rivalry and in view of the possibilities of wild game they insisted upon leaving the half of their cartridges which were gladly accepted by philip and bromley 
the moon was obscured by thick clouds and an hour before midnight the horses were saddled and with some serious but more jocular words of parting the troopers started on the march down the mountain most of them hampered by an additional animal to lead the captain remained to press the hand of each of the three young soldiers and when at last he rode away and they turned to cross the frail old bridge whose unprotected sides could scarcely be distinguished in the darkness they began to realize that they were indeed left to their own resources and to feel a trifle lonely as you may imagine before leaving that side of the gorge however corporal bromley had shouldered their precious cartridges which had been collected in a bag and on the other side philip secured the sack of potatoes and thus laden they trudged away across the open field and among the rocks and bushes guided by the occasional glimpses they had of the cliff fringed with trees against the leaden sky it was of the first importance that the cartridges should be kept dry and to that end they hurried along at a pace which scattered them among the rocks and left but little opportunity for conversation lieutenant coleman was in advance with philip's carbine on his arm next came corporal bromley with the cartridges and a hundred yards behind philip was stumbling along with the sack of potatoes on his shoulder they had advanced in this order until the head of the straggling column was scarcely more than a stone's throw from the cliff when a small brown object moving in the leaves about the foot of the ladder tittered a low growl and then disappeared into the deeper shadow of the rock at the same moment the rain began to fall and corporal bromley stepped one side to throw his bag of cartridges into the open trunk of a hollow chestnut while he was thus engaged with the double purpose of freeing his hands and securing the cartridges from the possibility of getting wet his carbine lying on the ground where he had hastily thrown it lieutenant coleman fired at random at the point where he had indistinctly seen the moving object the darkness had increased with the rain and as the report of the carbine broke the quiet of the mountain a shadowy ball of fur scampered by him scattering the leaves and gravel in its flight the mysterious object passed close to bromley as he was groping about for his weapon and the next moment there was a cry from philip who had been thrown to the ground and his potatoes scattered over the hillside whatever it was said philip when he presently came up laughing at his mishap i don't believe it eats potatoes and i will gather them up in the morning as it was too dark for hunting and the cartridges were in a safe place lieutenant coleman and corporal bromley slung their carbines and followed philip who was the first to find the foot of the ladder it was not so dark but that they made their way safely to the camp and weary with the labors of the day they were soon fast asleep in their blankets unmindful of the rain which beat on the a-tent and on the patched roof of the cabin of the old man of the mountain End of chapter four